Really excited to continue uh, this series that Jason Semi started last week. I know uh, you guys have been talking about hearing God and learning to draw close to God and be in relationship with God. Uh, this is something that, well, we do talk around, talk about around church like pretty frequently. But it's it's just an important topic to know God's voice, to know the different avenues in which He speaks to you through, and being able to recognize the truth that he's wanting to bring into your life, and the love that he's wanting to share with you. So last week, Jason spoke about recognizing the voice of God and just uh, what that's like, and being able to know him like a friend, being able, well, Jason related it to his wedding band and seeing how you guys have, like, husband hearing. I don't know what that's like. Maybe Josh can tell me more about that later. But I do know what it's like to grow accustomed to a voice in your life. And I get the fun topic of the day of talking about the different distractions and things that can be in our life that also influence us and motivate us to do different things. Um, so the, the, the idea that I was thinking about when learning a sound or learning a voice is I, I used to study at Western. Uh, I am a former Viking. Uh, go Vikes or whatever the hand thing that they do for them. Uh, <laughs> I was there for three years. You think I should have learned? <laughs> but anyways, um, uh, when I was staying in the dorms the first year, uh, I was very much kept awake some nights by the sound of the trains in Bellingham crossing through because they just find that it's really important for them to sound their horn when they're going by at about 2 a.m. or 1 a.m. or midnight. You know, just perfect when you're having to wake up super early in the morning already. But anyway, I was thinking about it, and in my time staying in the dorms, I grew accustomed to the sound of the trains and the railway, because eventually it used to wake me up every night, but then I realized that it didn't wake me up at all. It became something that just sort of like was a pattern in my mind that my body didn't even recognize that much anymore. Even during the day, if a train was going by, someone would be like, oh, there's a train. I'm like... Oh, yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, there is a train. But anyway, and I was thinking about that because that's almost the way a lot of the things in our life go, or in a lot of the influences and in things in our life go. And if we're not careful, that can be the way our relationship with God goes. It starts off super exciting. It rattles us. He just blows our minds. He just expresses his love to us in great ways. But then, if we're not too careful and we don't like keep on pressing into God, we can sort of just grow accustomed to him like that, where he's no longer special and he's no longer this thing that we just want to pour all of our lives into, and he can just sort of become the basic thing in our life. We're like, yeah, I know, I love God, for sure, absolutely. But in reality, that's what we're thinking about him, but he's just become another part of our lives that is just like any other. Like, oh yeah, I go to church on Sunday, I go to small group, but in truth, if we're not careful, we can sort of take for granted our relationship with God. So the beginning question I have for us this morning is, who or what is your greatest influence or motivation or motivator? Because there's a lot of different things in our lives that can influence us to do different things, can influence the way we talk, the way we think, the way we do certain things, the way we learn a skill, or they can motivate us to actually work, they can motivate us to do different things in our life, like motivate us to have a family, motivate us to care for our family, but they can also motivate us and influence us 
to do things that aren't always the greatest. They can influence or motivate us and pick up bad habits. They can motivate us or influence us to do certain things, or we can be influenced by bad things that are around our life, like in our life. So there's a couple stories of different influences and motivators that actually come up in the Bible. And I have a list of them, and the first one being money. I don't know if we have a slide for it. Jason, might have? We might? Yes. So the first one being money. Um, so in this relates to Judas. Judas was made, motivated by money to actually betray his friend Jesus and give him up to the authorities to be crucified. So that's one of the powerful instances where money was an influence and a motivator for Judas to do something bad. And then there's other stories, such as the motivation of power, the influence of power, that saw King Herod and the Pharisees both seek to kill Jesus. Again, both morbid things of seeking to harm Jesus, the one who's supposed to be the Messiah and the one who's supposed to be the everlasting king and the prince of peace and all of these things. But King Herod, he was motivated by power so much because by Jesus being born, there was now something that was standing against his position of power. And then the Pharisees, they saw Jesus also as standing against their positions of power or as the religious elite. They saw him as someone that would encroach on their positions and eventually people would be led away from them and what they held. And then there's also success. We see Paul in so many instances. He used to see success as uh, tearing down the Christian church tearing down and executing people who followed Jesus and loved Jesus. This guy that would end up writing majority of the New Testament, he once saw success and his motivator for success being to dismantle the thing that Jesus had built. And then there's also relationships. Uh, relationships can be tricky and they can cloud the mind a little bit, such as in the story of David and Bathsheba. We see David betray one of his friends because he is engaged in a relationship with his friend's wife, and a whole slew of awful things comes out about that just simply because David's relationship with Bathsheba was influencing his actions, was motivating his actions so he could hide from his shame, hide from his guilt. But there's a ton of different motivators and influences that can occupy our lives that can bring us to do bad things. Or even just tear us away from the presence of God and our relationship with God. Uh, and then one final verse before we get into the main step of this, before we step away from these stories. It's this verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. And it's mainly talking about work, or I, you can more easily tie it to the success story, but I almost think it can relate to all, each of these influences and motivators. Um, and it starts with this in verse 20. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who is not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. 
And what do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain, and even at night, their minds do not rest. This, too, is meaningless. See, how, how this relates to success or money or power relationships is that we can put so much work into all of these different things, and at the end of the day, if we're doing it without pursuing God, or if God isn't at the forefront of why we are pursuing these things, it's just fruitless. It can be harmful to us. It can be harmful to us directly or in a way that just means separating us from God or distracting us from God. Or simply, it can just be that it's leading us to not even knowingly have a bad attitude. So the thing about all of these is that in the verse, like as if you kept on reading Ecclesiastes, it talks about how these things can actually be good if you actually have God at the forefront. So the main passage that we're actually going to be learning from today is in Galatians 5. Uh, and just to contextualize what it's talking about in the first few verses, um, Paul, he's talking to the church of Galatia, uh, and he's talking about how there's this issue of false teachers coming up, and I don't know why, this is like, I'm not going to lie, this is like the third or fourth time where the scripture I've used for teaching has been about circumcision. I don't know why, it just happens that way. Sometimes Paul can be serious about it. If you're in this room and you don't know what circumcision is, don't look it up online. Probably ask your parents. Um, and you, well, I'll just like, like, it's this, essentially. It's just, think, just think of a good old pair of scissors. But anyways, the verses <laughs> talk about false teaching and how there's people t saying that, oh no, like you might follow Jesus, but you still need to be circumcised to be to go into be a part of the kingdom of heaven, in which Paul is saying, no, like, Jesus, like, abolished that, like, his death on the cross meant so much more, and it meant freedom from the law, and it meant life in him. But essentially, so the first few verses of uh, Galatians 5 go like this. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. The yoke of slavery being, like, don't think that your way to freedom uh, is through the law, because it's not. It's actually through Jesus. You don't have to follow a checklist. You don't have to follow a rule book. You simply just have to belong to Jesus. So he says, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to, to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ, and you have fallen away from grace. For it is through the Spirit we eagerly wait, by faith, with, for, by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So Paul is saying this, and he's saying, no, like, uncircumcised, circumcised, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that you are pursuing God with your whole heart. It doesn't matter if you go this way, if you go that way, but it just matters that you are following Jesus because he is the way, the life, and the truth. And I know that I got that out of order, but just know Jesus is the way. <laughs> 
But anyways, this kind of leads us to the big idea or the sermon in the sentence, if you will, uh, that sort of summarizes all of what I'm going to be talking about this morning, and that God has given you the beautiful, difficult decision of choosing the voices you listen to. God has given you the beautiful and difficult decision of choosing the voices you listen to. Because there's a lot of different things in our world that we can pay attention to. Um, I'm not, this question isn't simply to say, oh no, like the only voice you ha- like, should have in your life is God, because that's not how the world works. If we think of Jesus in the, setting, in the world as, uh, if we just think of it as a dinner party or a loud environment where there's a lot of people talking, there's things going on. Essentially, there's always going to be noises in the room. There's always going to be sounds, there's always going to be people talking, but Jesus is always going to be talking to you. And it's your decision to come up close to Jesus and listen intently to what he is saying. Jason said last week that uh, Jason doesn't want you to be a fan of his. He doesn't want you to be a fan because he actually just wants you to be in close relationship with him. He wants you to draw near to him and hear what he has to say. You might hear clearly what he has to say if you draw closely to him, but you're still going to have the background noise of things going on in the world, and you're never going to be able to cancel that out. So it's not simply of the choice of canceling out all other noises and only having Jesus be the one speaking truth into your life, but it's choosing the voice that you listen to. And the idea being that you choose Jesus. You choose to draw close to him. And you let him be the thing that influences everything else in your life. So Galatians 5 continues uh, from verse 7. And he says, You were running a good race, and who, cut it, and who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough, and I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other views. Let me pull this close. I have thick glasses if you didn't see that already. Uh, The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. So, if you also don't know what emasculate means, uh, that's another question for your parents. Um, yeah, being 22 years old and looking that one up was fun. Um, kidding? I was able to figure that one out. But anyways, uh, this leads us to my first main point of this process of choosing the voices you listen to, and the point is know your voices. Know the things that are in your life. Know the things that are influencing you. Know the things that are motivating you. Because with the, this Church of Galatia, the people who are listening to false teachers, they aren't really taking a full inventory of the things that influence them. Instead, they're sort of just clinging on to this one voice that is the most near, that is the most present, and they're like, okay, yeah, no, I'm not going to question that at all. That is my voice that I'm choosing, because it should be God, shouldn't it? But you need to take a full account of the different voices that you 
are listening to so you can figure out which ones are affecting you, which ones are motivating you, which ones are good, which ones are bad, what could they be? For us, this can be so many things. I could spend an hour just listing different things that they could be in this world. It could be uh, podcasts you listen to, it could be books you read, it could be shows you watch, movies, all of these things. It could be relationships you have that are speaking things into your life that could be either truth, they could be lies, it kind of just depends. We don't get to control what other people say to us, but we can choose the things that we take to heart. If it's lies or if it's deception, we can choose not to listen to that. But if it's also mean and hurtful things, we can choose to take those to heart. But then, I'm a personal believer that God uses old ladies in coffee shop shops greatly, uh, because it seems like every old lady in a coffee shop, like if you're just sitting there and they come up to you and they say something to you, like God is trying to tell you something. Because I've been in way too many situations where an old lady just goes, hey, God loves you. And I'm just like, yeah, thanks old lady. He loves you too. But I am a firm believer that God uses old ladies, and you can choose to listen to the strange old lady that comes up to you, or you can choose to just write them off as a crazy old lady. But I'm a firm believer that, no, that's one of the voices that I'm going to cling on to because I think God is speaking to me through this carol that has just walked into the room and has decided to say some nice things to me. Because God speaks to us not just through quiet moments in prayer, but he uses also through his Holy Spirit, he speaks to us through other people. Now, to know your voices means to also account for the ones that you don't really take much notice of anymore. Because like the train, we can become accustomed to different sounds and noises or influences in our life and not really think of them as influences. Because I'm not sure about you, but if you like turn on the news or anything, there's always some sort of bad thing going on. My roommate and I, we were literally like watching the t like a news thing on in our gym the other day, and we're like, "Wow, it's just one bad thing after the other." Like the first thing I saw was a 12-year-old that got struck in a hit-and-run accident, and then there was also a firefighter who died, and then there was also just weather warnings and all of these different things that were just seemed terrible. And the thing is, we can, we can get so accustomed to the bad things that are in the news that I think the sad thing is we can actually grow numb to the sad things that are in the news. That we can just be like, oh, another bad thing happened, okay, next channel. Instead of really feeling the weight of what things are actually. The reality of some of the bad and hurtful things in our life. So it's important to know the voices that are in your life to know them and acknowledge them even if you feel like they don't carry much weight and just sort of have them on the list that you see as influencers or motivators in your life. So Galatians continues on in verses 13 through 18. And he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh Rather, serve one another, humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. And now love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. 
where essentially if you're fighting amongst one another, you guys are just going to destroy one another. Because our interactions, our relationships can be hurtful or build us up as well. And so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, and so that you, do, you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And this brings me to the second point that we have for the morning, and that is to choose your voices. I feel like I've been sort of hammering that one down multiple times repeatedly, but it is just as important as knowing your voices, to choose the voices you listen to. Obviously, like I said, you're not going to be able to cancel out a ton of the noises in your life or the things going on, but you must choose your voices. Oftentimes when people say that they have like fallen away from their relationship with Jesus or even like uh, have just been in a rough spell where they haven't been in their Bible as often or not been praying as much, it's not simply just because they chose to be like, ah, no, nah, I don't love God anymore. I'm just going to go off and do my thing. But no, it's honestly that we do live very busy lives. We have a lot of things going on in our lives. And I think, like, on top of COVID, we have different issues that can come up with our families. There can be people who are sick. There can be people who are hurting. There can be disputes within families. There can be issues at work. There can be all of these things that do have meaningful impacts into our lives. And there's a lot going on because God has created us to be complex creatures. And being complex creatures, we make things even more complex and fill them up with even more things and even more busyness and errands to run and things to do, people to see, places to go, and our lives can get busy. Now, I'm not giving you the recipe this morning to make your lives easy and simple and cheery and rainbows and unicorns and all those things, because that's not how the world works. But... All I'm saying is to choose your voices, choose the things to put first, and choose the things that have value and priority in your life. Because in reality, like when things do get busy, we can be like, oh no, I, I, I don't have time this morning to dive into my Bible because I'm just on a tight schedule, I need to leave for work a bit earlier, I need to get COVID tested before work, and all of these things. But when you choose the voices and priorities in your life, what you're doing is actually being like, no, I'm not just going to choose to listen to this voice, I'm going to make it a priority and work everything else around that voice. I'm going to choose to listen to God, I'm going to choose to dive into my Bible, I'm going to do the painstaking work of setting that clock even half an hour earlier, so I can spend a little time in the Word in the morning. Now, it's hard, but then again, I did phrase this as the beautiful, difficult decision of choosing your voices. Because in reality, that's what it is. It is hard. It is hard to put God first sometimes. But then again, it's a beautiful thing 
because when you do put God first and you choose to step towards him, what you're actually doing is stepping closer into a relationship that, of, with a person that loves you, that cares for you, is wanting peace for your life, is wanting hope to be instilled in you, and wants you to actually be a voice or an influence in someone else's life that speaks truth in life and shares the gospel with someone else. So, choose your voices. This can be podcasts that fill you up with the truth of the Lord, or this can be books that speak about the character of Jesus. This can be, I believe that God even shines through in stories that aren't necessarily about God. If, I mean, I've never read the Chronicles of Narnia, but I think that it's a beautiful, I've watched a movie. Uh, that's, I think it's a beautiful image of what God is. And I think that God can speak to us through different avenues like that as well. Obviously, Bible and prayer is important as well as community, but God can speak to us through a variety of ways, and it's up to us to choose the avenues that we are truly listening to and acknowledging if they are influences of God or influences of the world. Now, continuing on Galatians, um, in verses 19 through 26, we close out the chapter 5, and it says this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. It's sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. And then it goes on. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a big statement. But then he flips it. He goes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. You don't have to limit how kind you are to people. Just trying to express that. Um, because he's saying there is no limit. There is no limit to goodness. There is no limit to kindness. But those who belong to Christ, who have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying of each other. So, in listing out um, the good things versus the bad things, it brings us to my third point of the morning, and that is to filter your voices. So this is an interesting thing because it's the, the act of figuring out, okay, um, now that I know the voices that I'm going to listen to, here is how I'm going to carry out the different influences and motivators that are in my life. Now that I've listened to God, now that I'm holding on to his truth, through the variety of means that he speaks to me through, here's how I'm going to carry them out. You filter the voices that you listen to through your life and let them affect you, let them influence you, and let them motivate you to the things that God is wanting you to accomplish, to perform, to do. And not to say that 
performing those things or doing those things isn't good. But God, just as a reminder, God is not after your performance. He's just after you. Um, the things that we do with his truth, the do, things that we do with his love uh, for us, the things that we do with the joy that he instills in us are just an added bonus. You don't need to perform or um, achieve or strive to obtain God's love. You already have it. But that's not to say that because we've been transformed by God doesn't mean we can't go out into the world and do things in honor of him. So filter the voices that you listen to. Let, let them guide you. Let them uh, sh- reveal to you areas that uh, you should speak into people's lives. Let them pour into you in the ways that you interact with people at work. Uh, if you read in a book that, uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of Bob Goff. Uh, I don't know if anyone knows of him. But he's essentially um, this, this very enthusiastic guy who's excited about people's dreams, and he's excited about people living lives um, that are full of God's joy. And um, if he tells, like if he writes in his book, um, to, like his one book is called Love Does, and, everybody, and his other one is Everybody Always. He's essentially saying, love everybody always, because love isn't just a passive thing, but love is an action thing. And if we're going to truly filter our voices and apply the things that God is speaking into our lives, it actually requires doing things and interacting with people. We can be kind to people that aren't always so nice to us. We can love people who are our neighbors. We can do all these things. God, he's given us these voices and he's given us direction through the things that he's speaking to us through so that we can actually be lights of his in this world to help to transform this world. And now, uh, I have a list of those influences and motivators from before. Uh, And this time, they are applied with the filter of having chosen the voice of God in our lives. So for money, uh, there's the story of the parable of the talents, in which it sees uh, this, this Lord, he gave money to his servants because he was going away for a time. And he said, while I'm gone, take care of my estate, take care of my money, and actually do something with it. So when we have money, or those who have a ton of money, I mean, I'm paying off student loans, so I don't got much. But for those that have money, you should use it for a good cause. Money isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it all depends on the way in which we view it, the way in which we use it, and the way in which uh, that we apply it to our lives. Because if those who have money, I've seen a lot of wonderful people in the church who do make a ton of money, use it for incredible, kind things in their lives. They use it to support ministries. They use it to... Uh, support people who are falling on rough times. They use it for incredible things. This isn't to say that you need a lot of money to use it in a good way. Because like God, it's just about using what you have. The other story being the story of power, and it being David. 
David takes up a lot of the Old Testament. You see his ups, you see his downs. But at the end of the day, the people of Israel still regarded David as a hero because he used power and he led the people of Israel into places of success. He led them into the glory of God at times. Like, like the story from before, he did have his shortcomings. But the thing is, he did at times use power the right way because he was putting God first and he wanted to honor God with what he had. Another story being of success and it being of Paul. The guy who once saw success as killing Christians and dismantling the church was now one of the most influential people of the early church. He was planting churches all across the region. All of these letters to Galatians and Ephesians and all of these are his letters of care for the different Christian churches of the land. He saw success as building people up and he grew to see success as loving people like Jesus and pursuing ministry. So when Paul had his transformation with Jesus, he then held on to the voice of Jesus in his life and filtered it through his life to see success as the opposite, the complete drastic opposite of what he once did. And then for relationships, you see the 12 disciples. Jesus pulled these guys that were just fishermen and a tax collector and all these people, and Jesus saw them as his close friends. He didn't start with a hundred or a thousand disciples because he knew that the true important work of what he was doing was close and intimate relationships. He saw what he was doing as important because he was directly affecting and influencing the lives of these 12 guys that he had pulled around him. Because relationships are an important influence and motivator, and even if you read on in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, it says that in the book of Ecclesiastes that's normally all about everything being meaningless and unimportant, it actually addresses that being in a relationship with other people makes you strong and can help hold you up when, things, when times are rough. So all of these stories, these influences and motivators, they can be good things. They can be good things if we simply let them be filtered by the voice of God and the wonderful influence that he has on our lives. So, the follow-up question I have for you is, do you hear... God's voice. Where do you hear God's voice? When do you hear God's voice? And what are the things in your life that are just noise? Like I said, you're never going to completely filter out noise because it's always going to be there. Our world is busy. But what thing, what is God's voice? What is truly important? And what are the things just noise? Now, you can answer this question in small groups. I don't know how you do it, but where do you do it? And then I actually have steps for filtering 
God's voice, to help you discern where you hear God's voice in the things that are just noise. And they actually take a little bit of application, and this 22-year-old is giving you homework, um, so enjoy. And I'll know if you did it because my friend Jason will be texting me of people who telling him they completed the assignment. Um, but the first step is to find five promises of God and think about them this week. You can find these promises through reading your Bible. You can Google them, for that matter. I think Google is a wonderful tool for, um, for studying the Bible. But you can Google them. You can hear them from other people in your life. But however you find them, just find five promises of God to think about this week. Find five promises of his truth, his love, his grace, his peace, his joy, his hope, and just cling to them this week. Now, the second part of that is, is probably the less enjoyable part, because uh, the second part is to give up something and to fast from something. Um, now, fasting is, uh, you can, I, people do it with food sometimes, um, people do it with technology, people do it with TV, anyways, give something up in your life that is actually holds some importance. Uh, I know some people give up coffee, I'm not that big of a coffee drinker to think that's uh, a big enough thing to give up. But some people give up time on their phones. Like, if you use a certain app a lot, you TikTokers out there, uh, <laughs> you can give up that for a week. But just fast from something that is noise in your life, essentially. Give up something that you spend time on, but if you had less time on it, you would actually hear the promises of God more. Now, I actually want to do a little exercise with us this morning. Um, and it's going to be, it might be a little awkward for some people, but that's okay. Um, I've done this exercise before, but essentially, I want everyone to just sit in the stillness of their hearts, I want everyone to just slow their minds for the morning. And if you would, if you would just close your eyes with me. And then, to the best of your ability, however you know best, to quote a good friend of mine, um, Leb Yusita, I want you to picture Jesus before you. I want you to picture yourself in the setting of doubting Thomas, who after Jesus was crucified, did not believe that his close friend had rose from the dead. I want you to picture Jesus before you. He has holes in his hands from where they struck the stakes through. He has holes in his feet he has a gash in his side where they struck him with a spear. And he's saying to you, all of this I did for you. All of this. I've done this because I love you. Because I chose you over my own life because I love you so much that I desired you 
to have a place at the table to be in my family. I have suffered pain, suffered betrayal, all because I love you. You can open your eyes. Um, if you want, that's a wonderful tool that uh, imagery is a wonderful thing. And it's a tool that you can use in your time of prayer. It is a tool that you can use uh, when you're trying to listen to God's voice. Because prayer can be hard, it can be difficult, and listening for God's voice can be difficult in itself. And I find that exercise, or things like that, helpful to get me into a space where I can listen to God's voice. Not just putting my words in his mouth, but reminding myself of that is who he is. So, I'm going to pray and invite the worship team back up, um, and then I hope that we can have good discussions about the ways in which we're holding on to God's voice, uh, the things that we discover as noise in our lives, and the things that we've now recognized is God speaking truth into our lives. So Jesus, thank you so much for our time this morning, God. Thank you that we still have uh, the opportunity to, to gather as your church, as your body, as this family of imperfect people, God, to all share your love. God, thank you for the worship team and Jason and all the people who are serving this morning, that they have sacrificed their time so that they could help create an environment that is safe and welcoming. God, thank you for your church. Thank you for your voice that speaks into our life. God, I just pray for us to have the stillness in our hearts, to listen to you, that we may slow ourselves down or at least make the time to know that you are near, and that we can make the beautiful, difficult decision of choosing your voice over all the rest of the noise in our lives. Jesus, we thank you for your love for us, and we just want to express our love for you. Thank you for your words. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church.